Welcome to the Janine Boland Show, where we share tips from around the globe as we guide practical people with their finances using money tips, increase their incomes through side businesses, and maintain their sanity by staying in their creative zone. Hey, welcome so much. I'm so thrilled that you're back on the show with us today. We have a wonderful setup for you right now. But first of all, I wanted to say, look, you're listening to us, and I would very much like you to be able to subscribe. And I had an email this week from Lisa, and Lisa was telling me, hey, I heard your show. I loved what you were saying on it. Do you have recordings of this? And the answer is, oh my goodness, Lisa, yes, we do. Go to the Janine Bolin dot com. I'm sorry, the Janine Bolin show.com. There you go. The Janine Bolin show.com. There you will see transcripts because I actually pay to make sure that you guys get transcripts of everything that people say, as well as the recording of every show we've ever done. There's only 218 of those 219. If you consider what we're doing today. And I also wanted to let you know that you can go on there. And if you hear of one of our guests that you really like what they're doing, we make sure that their book landing pages and the freebies that they offer on the show are also made available to you. So make sure you get the links and all that when you sign on and uh, we'll go ahead and move on to our guest. But Lisa, we are taking care of you and just go to the janinebolinshow.com and you will be able to find all that information. But next, we need to chat with Felicia Farber. And Felicia is one of those amazing authors that I got to meet at a book show. And she was with the Colorado Independent Publishers Association. She happened to hear me speak. And one of the things that we really love about what Felicia is doing is not only is she an award-winning author and attorney in North Jersey who regularly speaks and writes on legal dangers of mixing the common tween teen behaviors of sexting and cyberbullying with social media her she has a debut young adult novel called ice queen it's won 11 awards it even got the first place for young adult fiction so felicia has been featured on numerous blogs podcasts like mine she regularly shares her expertise on the really all too real consequences of that electronic bullying and harassment she presents to schools and to legal and medical communities. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Felicia. Hi, Janine. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. I, I have to say that I was ecstatic when you reached out and said, hey, I'd love to be on your show, mainly because I am a single mother. I have three sons. I have a daughter. And let me tell you something. Raising kids nowadays is very different from when our parents were raising us. And the whole concept, I remember the first time, we went to the local library to learn about how to ha how to be safe because of the way the pornography laws are and all that, that uh, it would be very easy for a teenager to get hooked up into a situation that was way escalating beyond anything they ever thought because of the way the laws were and the way media was defined at that time. So thank you for writing a novel on that. I thought that that would be the best way to reach this generation to try and impart these important messages into a fun and entertaining story instead of lecturing kids because then you know they're not really going to absorb what you're saying but if they see it acted out 
uh, with true to life characters and really common scenarios, then hopefully that would resonate. And I think it has because the first comment that I get from everybody that reads it is, I didn't know that. <laughs> That's true. You know, everybody is shocked that it's true, uh, but it is the realities of uh, life with the digital media has changed um, what is acceptable for uh, teens and, and their behaviors that they think are common and harmless can really get them in trouble now. And that's one of those things that I remember when we had our Boy Scout troops and our Girl Scout troops as a scout leader, we would have the police force come in and talk to us about things that were so harmless, seemingly so harmless uh, to them, would actually get them in quite a bit of trouble because you're dealing with people under the age of 18, under the, you know, that era. And so talk to us a little bit about, you know, you have this amazing um, law practice, this background, this career in law. What on earth? I mean, you're not really known for jumping out and getting into the nonfiction genre. I mean, this is not really what somebody thinks of when they say attorney, right? So tell us a little bit about that story of what made you do that hot skip and a jump into fictional literature. Uh, yes. So Ice Queen is a fictional story uh, with very, very uh, real uh, life circumstances built in. And I was inspired to write this. Uh, years ago uh, by an incident that occurred on the sidelines of a soccer field. Um, my son played soccer and we had gotten to know some of the parents and one of the dads of his best friend was very upset. So I said to him, what is going on? And he said, oh, he said, the police just came to my shop and arrested me today. So I said, oh, my gosh, for what? what? What happened? And so he said that his son had taken a picture of himself with his cell phone uh, topless at the lake. It was late summer and it was from the top of his bathing suit on up. You couldn't see that he was wearing a bathing suit and he sent it to a girl that he liked and apparently the girl didn't like him the same way because she showed it to her parents. And what did they do? They took it to the police and the police came to arrest the kid's dad for sexting because the cell phone was in the parent's name. It's something we don't even think about. Our kids are doing all these behaviors, but who is ultimately responsible? It's, it's the parents because they're underage. Kids can't sign the contract. So the parents signed the cell phone contract. So the police came looking for him and he ultimately straightened it out, but, uh, but it was very, very agonizing and expensive for him. And that stayed with me because I thought it was so outrageous. How could this happen in our modern society? This is, you know, such a ridiculous thing. Yeah, because I thought to myself, that's a harmless photo, but that's what happened. And I've been following this in the news and I also have children, you know, so I'm very, very aware of what teens do online on their phones and with electronic devices. So I thought everybody really, really needs to know about the dangers of sexting and cyberbullying because these are things that are generally not taught in school. And we assume our kids are practicing safe technology use, but what if they're not? 
And then you find out about it on the soccer field (laughs) with the the parents standing around because, yeah, that's something that we don't even think about uh, when we're parents. Like you said, we sign the contracts. We're the ones that are responsible, but wowzers, right? So uh, let's talk a little bit about, so that was kind of what made you make the jump, but okay. Talk to us a little bit more about the details. So what was the inspiration that said, Hey, this would make a really good book because, you know, uh, last I checked, when you're going up for the bar, they're really not <laughs> teaching you fictional literature. I'm sorry, this is still a big jump, and I'd love to hear that story. Okay, so I I love to write, and this is not my first book. I This is my first published book. So this is a story, though, I accelerated because I thought it really had to get out there. And being a lawyer um, has, you know, it's positives, but I'm very creative. So I love to write and to paint and to create recipes and dance routines, you know, anything um, that didn't exist and to, you know, start from scratch, a blank screen, a blank canvas, and then create something um, beautiful out of it, make up your own world is really my passion. So for me, this was such a great escape from the legal writing that I have to do. So this is fun, you know, so you know, it's, it's different because now that I put out this book, I get requested so many times to write legal articles and people just think, oh, you love to write, but there's a difference between <laughs> fictional work and and legal work big difference but one of those beautiful things is there's the work that you have to do and then there's the work that you cherish and you love to do and you've been able to write a a fictional novel that actually combines the two and is very much important for what's happening in the in the world today so if you don't mind tell us a little bit about how you decided on the name or the title ice queen I think there was only one name that my book could be, and it was the Ice Queen, uh, because she is at the core of um, of the plot and how the other characters uh, act. It, it's all driven by her behavior. So just a little bit, bit, you know, generally about the book is that the main characters are uh, two high school students named Blair and David, and they are inadvertently thrust into a sexting scandal. And they both think that they're innocent and they didn't do anything wrong. Uh, But Blair, my main character, ends up in a cyber war with the Ice Queen. And she's the class mean girl. Her and her group of friends are always bullying Uh, Blair. And this, excuse me, the scenarios that are portrayed here are all too common examples of real life sexting and cyberbullying. And it shows how easily teenagers can face criminal consequences for their digital behaviors. Well, thank you so much for that 
little bit of a preview and we're getting ready to go for a break. And when we come back from the break, you really want to hear what Felicia has to say regarding more about the cyberbullying, what can happen to teens because she has real life experience. Oh, and in case you need, didn't know this, her book, Ice Queen, is available now. It is published. We highly recommend you go out and buy the book. It's one of those ways that she's teaching without telling. She's telling the story. She's sharing a story, but she's not teaching by telling. And that is so much different. We will come back after this break and we'll be with Felicia who will tell us more about Ice Queen. Welcome back to the show. This is the Janine Boland Show. And if you want to hear the rest of Felicia's wonderful expose on revenge porn and cyberbullying and sexting and the ways middle schoolers and high schoolers can get themselves accidentally in the midst of quite a bit of turmoil, you definitely want to listen to the entire uh, episode. And you can go to the JanineBolinShow.com, look up the Felicia Farber interview, and make sure that you get a copy of her book, Ice Queen. So yes, talk to us a little bit about this main story arc that you have, Felicia, regarding the Ice Queen and revenge porn. I'm sorry, I must be so outdated. I have no idea what that is. So please educate a mom here. All right. Thank you, Janine. Revenge porn is basically unauthorized sexting. It's non-consensual pornography, which unfortunately uh, is a growing form of digital sexual violence. So if somebody has an intimate photo or video of you and they send it out, without your knowledge or consent, that's considered revenge porn and it's become all too common. And then we take it to the next level of something called sextortion, which is where somebody has a sexual image of you and they basically are blackmailing you with that image. They're saying, if you don't give me more sexually explicit images or perform sexual favors, or pay me money, then I'm going to post this image of you. And that, believe it or not, is starting in middle school, that's extortion. So these concepts are revenge porn extortion are things that kids in middle school and high school are dealing with. And I've had some parents tell me, hey, this is happening in elementary school too. So I try and gear my book for teens and and tweens and I'm kind of shocked that this is happening even younger amazing what happens when technology moves faster than certain people's emotional maturity levels. And it's just, it's one of those things you never thought you would have to worry about, you know, kind of gone are the days of the magazines under the uh, mattress kind of <laughs> aspect where you're cleaning out your kid's room or what have you. This is stuff that's happening on electronic devices. So talk to us a little bit about how uh, your book, Ice Queen, uh, a little bit about the story arc, and then we can go into details on what what that means for your main character. Right. So I don't want to give a major spoiler alert here, but my characters do get caught up in a sexting scandal because there is kind of a racy photo of Blair that gets sent out uh, mainstream and lands in the hands of the police. 
and sexting is against the law for minors. So most kids don't realize that if they just take a photo and they're under 18 and it's nude, partially nude, it could even be sexy talk, anything that is sexually suggestive even can be considered to be obscene material and can fall under child pornography laws. So taking that picture can be considered creating sexual pornography. Sending it out then is considered to be distribution of child pornography. And then the person who receives that picture can be charged with possession of child pornography. Just viewing that sext that you're sent, if you're a minor, uh, can be breaking the law. And these are things that are happening all over our country. And most of the time you don't hear about it until it's a major issue and somehow it gets into the news. So I just want to tell you, share with you quick a story that I had a mom contacted me a couple of months ago because her son, who was a freshman in high school, actually ended up in a similar situation to the characters in my book. And for me, it was, it was an oh no moment, seeing that I made up this story, um, synthesizing all real life circumstances and putting it together in a fictional novel. But her son was living what my characters had. And oh no. <laughs> what happened to him is he received a sexted photo and he sent it on to two of his friends. And this required... Um, the school intervention, the police got involved and investigated. And it was a photo that another boy had taken in the school bathroom. He took a selfie of himself, but behind him, a boy was at the urinal. So that was in the photo. So when this mom's son sent it to his two friends, it was considered child pornography. And her son was suspended for 10 days from school and all of his activities. And this goes into his permanent file and he has to take, you know, good digital citizenship uh, classes. And there are a lot of repercussions from it, from just that simple act of receiving that photo and just showing it to two of his friends. So that's, that's one of the most innocuous cases with really a disproportionate punishment, I think, for that child. But very often it's, it's females who have pictures of them after a relationship goes sour uh, that get sent out against their, their will, you know. So that's really what is scary is that kids have to think about when they take these pictures, what's going to happen to them if it gets out of uh, my hands into an audience that's not supposed to see it. And this is Felicia Farber, who is speaking to us, who also happens to be an attorney. And so one of the beautiful things about her story is not only was she an attorney, but she wanted to get this information out there in a way where she was sharing with people the stories of what sexting and cyberbullying was, but didn't want to be telling these teenagers and tweens about it. She wanted to share stories, and she has written a wonderful novel called Ice Queen that's won 11 awards that talks about this for young adult fiction. So tell us, how did you go about, you, you built this story, you had a lot of uh, raw material, literally, to work from, uh, but at the same time, how did you go about getting it into the right hands of people? So you get this book published, what did you do after that to get it to your demographic? 
that's the hard part for any author is to get it out. So I am on Instagram now and Twitter, and I have a book trailer that is on YouTube that hopefully will appeal and resonate with, um, with young people. I have a um oh wow a following that i am building up through my speaking engagements doing uh blogs and podcasts such as this i am based in new jersey so uh through the new jersey state bar there was a program a few months ago where i led a panel speaking about my book and all of these issues to educators parents grandparents teachers counselors throughout the state in order to reach the next generation. So I'm trying to go through both avenues uh, to get to the target group, the young adults, to reach them directly and to go through the adult population as well. Oh, that's... It's not easy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, because uh, in case you hadn't noticed, young adults, man, uh, their attention span is not what it used to be. I here, here I sit as an adult and my attention span <laughs> is, it, you know, I remember the times where I'd sit and read books for hours and hours and I find myself listening to audiobooks so I can go do something else, right? You know, so our uh, attention is definitely split. So tell us a little bit, uh, you wrote Ice Queen. Is there any option for a sequel to that? Or do you have anything on the back burner that you might be working on you could share well, with us here? Janine, now that you ask, <laughs> I do. I originally wrote this book because I thought this was a compelling issue that needed to be shared with the public that teen sexting is not child pornography and teens need to be aware of the legal and social ramifications before they get into trouble. So that was really my motivation for writing this. And then I have been asked pretty much by everybody who reads it when the sequel is coming out. So um, all these thoughts started turning in my head and I am halfway through my sequel. Awesome. Oh, I tell you what, do you, uh, I'm sure some people are going to want to follow up with you. Is there a way that they can sign up on your newsletter or something so they can get kind of a preview of what you're working on now? Uh, that would be fantastic. If you just go to my website, which is feliciafarber.com, and I have a contact page there, just uh, leave me a note, and I would love to add you to my list and let you know when, uh, I don't know how, what the name is yet, but when the sequel comes out. Uh, that's one of the things I'd like to share with my listeners is the fact that Authors really do love hearing from their fan base. They love yeah. what you guys have to say. They they are more than happy to share their character sketches. I mean, after the book is published, but you know, after the book is published, they love to share your character sketches because you don't just pull your character out of thin air of your head. It may start that way, but do you find yourself kind of building your character as you look at people that happen to walk by you on the street and that sort of thing? How do you build a flush out a character? Yes, you get a lot of inspiration from real life, much of it you make up in your head, but I'd have to say there are, are certain actions that other people do, um, certain ways that they might dress or speak and they resonate with you and you say, oh, that's like my character. 
And that actually is one of the best things about doing a sequel is because it was so hard for me to end Ice Queen because I loved my characters so much. And I think other people do too because they want to know what happens with them. That's why they're asking me for a sequel. And so now that I've established these people who are real to me, I get to put them in the next sequence of working uh, within the digital media realm because I'm going to stay true to that uh, storyline. It's going to have something to do, you know, again, no spoiler alert, but something to do uh, with our cyber era. Well, that will be fabulous. So thank you so much for joining us today, Felicia. It was wonderful listening to you talk about Ice Queen and uh, not an often talked about subject, which is middle schoolers and sexting and cyberbullying and how that actually can be under the child pornography laws. We appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun and I can't wait to hear from your listeners. Yeah, please reach out to Felicia. It's feliciafarber.com. And we have this transcript made available to you as well as backlinks, not only to her website, but to certain sections of her book. If you're interested, it's available on all the major platforms along with Amazon. And so we encourage you to reach out to our authors that come on this program so that you can learn more about them. And this is Janine Boland letting you know that we have two segments left of the Janine Bolin Show. Be sure to stay tuned and hear from another guest. This is Janine Boland. Thank you so much for tuning back in. It was lovely being able to have our previous guest. And now we have a new guest with us today. And she has sought answers to complex questions. She is driven to find alternative solutions and not settling for this is the way we've always been taught kind of status quo. Our next guest has been able to she was diagnosed with an incurable disease at the age of 19, and she was able to heal herself in 48 hours after a relapse. She also has the ability to uncover the real intent of our founding fathers when it came to taxation, and she is going to help us keep your hard-earned money. Kelly Alexander has real answers to share. After more than a decade of research and practical application, Kelly is the leading expert in this field. She is helping people from many walks of life discover the options they never knew they had. Once armed with the secrets that Kelly has uncovered, we, the people, can legally and ethically liberate ourselves from federal and state income taxes. The secret is buried in powerful and little-known banking laws. If you live in the United States legally, if you work in the private sector and pay over $8,000 per year in income tax, you are a candidate for the great American tax remedy. Thank you so much for being with us today, Kelly. Oh, Janine, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So one of the things that I thought was fabulous was uh, when you were first talking to us, you had this quote that you mentioned from, it's kind of a paraphrase from Mark Twain. You said, it's not what you don't know that's the problem. It's what you know for sure that ain't just so. And I just thought that was so cute because it's such a wonder. I, number one, I'm from Missouri. Okay. And Sam, Samuel Clemens and Mark Twain is uh, our hero. <laughs> but, right. uh, yeah, yes. It definitely. And uh, so when you, when you start bringing him into the equation, there's always some good humor, but also some very solid advice. So talk to us a little bit about this great 
American tax remedy that you have brought about? Yes. Well, what I discovered over my lifetime is that there is so much conditioning and programming around the IRS and the tax system that caused me, you know, when I saw that Mark Twain quote, I go, oh my goodness, there it is. You know, so many people are fearful of the IRS and for good reason. You know, they do have a lot of authority. They do impact people's lives or can impact people's lives. But so much of it is happening because people do not really understand you know, the, tr- the truth of the whole system. So my role as a coach for people that join the Great American Tax Remedy is to help them really get to the meat and potatoes of what's going on with the taxes and not just hear what the media says, what the societal, you know, norms are about taxes, uh, because it's really tied into the banking system. Who knew that? The Federal Reserve and the IRS are joined at the hip, yet that is never, ever spoken of, you know, in the the discourse, whether it's the financial services industry, the tax field itself, the education system, and on and on and on. So that's what I'd love to start sharing with your audience, is how these two groups are linked. Um, So back in... 1913, that was the origin of the legislation that allowed the Federal Reserve Act to be passed and the Federal Reserve System to come into being. The Federal Reserve was given the authority to issue money as a, as a third party, uh, you know, for the nation to operate with. Prior to that, all the money issued into the country came from the Congress itself. And coincidentally, which is no coincidence at all, the IRS started the exact same time that the Federal Reserve started. And that is because the IRS is actually the debt collection arm for the Federal Reserve. And I wanna explain that a little bit better. Every Federal Reserve note that gets issued into existence becomes a debt obligation on the U.S. government. Means it has to be paid back and paid back with interest. So what really happens is the monies collected by IRS go straight to the Federal Reserve to service the national debt. In other words, to pay the interest that's due on our national debt. That's it. So, um, th- yeah, that, that's how these organizations are so closely linked. One would not exist without the other. So, as I said, before the Federal Reserve came into being, the Congress issued our money. When the Congress issues the money, there is no middleman banking system involved. There is no debt obligation on the government and without that obligation that money is not subject to an income tax that's that's the the second major idea i wanted to share with your audience is there's actually two distinct currencies that are available for us as citizens to utilize 
The Federal Reserve note is now the dominant primary currency. That's what we have in our wallet. It's presumed now that everyone is operating with Federal Reserve money. So the remedy that I've discovered has to do with, I show people how to start using this second or alternative other form of money. And then by doing that and doing it correctly and documenting it, they are not subject to income tax. So there's a, there's a statute in the banking law. It's in the United States Code. Uh, that's a body of law that's made up of over 50 chapters, and each chapter is designated to a different area of law. And Title 12 is the chapter devoted to banking laws. So in Chapter 12, United States Code, subsection 411, it states in there real plain English that Federal Reserve notes, they shall be redeemed in lawful money on demand at the Treasury Department of the United States in D.C. or at any Federal Reserve Bank. So what does this mean? Federal Reserve notes, they shall be redeemed. Redeemed is to take something from one form and convert it into another form or to exchange it for something else. Okay, they shall be redeemed in lawful money. What is lawful money? In this context, lawful money is the money that the Congress is authorized by our Constitution to issue does not mean that Federal Reserve notes are not lawful. Of course, they are lawful. They are the legal tender of the nation. Um, but the statute is pointing to, you know, if you can exchange one form of nummy, money, you know, into something else, some other lawful money, then there's two. And so that is the, uh, the legal basis. Uh, for this remedy, I want to give you a chance to comment or ask me a question before I keep going. I want to make sure uh, I haven't uh, said something unclear. How you doing? Uh, no, I think you are talking very well about how, number one, how the bank came into existence. A lot of people don't realize that what was once called the first national bank, which was Alexander Hamilton created the national banking uh, system. What we're talking yep. about is in 1913 was when the Federal Reserve came into existence. And that is when the IRS also came into existence. And that's where yep. we started having these two currencies, as you like to share with us. So what you're basically getting ready to walk us through, from what I understand, is that that with these Federal Reserve notes, you have a four-step system that basically helps liberate people uh, from income tax. And it's a system that's legal, as you said, and is, is fair, and that anyone can benefit from uh, this strategy. I'm sure you have ideal candidates on that, but we've got about uh, three minutes. So if you could kind of walk through these four steps pretty quickly, and then we'll talk about them again at the next segment. Sure, sure. All right. So the first piece is for me to, I share with my clients an education 
so they understand what they're doing and why they're doing it. And not only is it legal and fair, it is actually helping our government lower that national debt. This is a win-win scenario for all the parties except the Federal Reserve, which has had such an unfair advantage over the country ever since its founding. So this is not about feeling guilty about, oh my gosh, I'm doing, you know, getting away with something sneaky. No, right. it's, it, it's, it's very beneficial. So education, I help people detox from, you know, the misinformation around the tax system. And then I show them the nuts and bolts logistics of how to make these this redemption for the other lawful money. It's simple, simple paperwork, depending on how you receive your income into your bank account, depends on which of the few simple forms uh, that are needed to, to make that record. And then there is the, the part of the process where I work with you really closely on how to actually prepare your 1040 tax returns. So, you know, because that's where your claim of uh, liberation from the taxes actually uh, happens is, is filing your tax return. Okay. Um, and I just so, wanted to say yeah. we're about ready to break for a uh, break uh, commercial. And so this is Kelly Alexander, who is talking to us about the great American tax remedy and how she has found a system that will help you get to a place where you can use a very legal and systemized way to drop your income taxes to lower amounts. And yet at the same time, you're still helping your federal government. And we will talk more about that when we come back from this break. Welcome back to the Janine Bolin Show. I'm your host, Janine Bolin, and today we have Kelly Alexander with us. And Kelly is wonderful because she has come up with a way to eliminate income taxes and how to do it simply and legally. Uh, She calls it the Great American Tax Remedy. Now, Kelly, you're not a CPA or a licensed financial advisor, are you? That's correct. I have no licenses or designations whatsoever, and honestly, I do not want any. <laughs> <laughs> right, I understand. I understand that. But tell us a little bit about how you found out about these two currencies and, you know, digging around in the U.S. tax system and the Federal Reserve isn't something your common, uh, commonplace citizen is doing. So talk to us about how you found out uh, this thing in the tax code. Sure, sure. Well, I think the genesis was when I was 16 and got my very first job at a fast food restaurant. I was given a form, a W-4, to fill out. And it had on there, it said, if you did not owe taxes last year and you expect to owe no taxes this year, then you can write in exempt from withholding. And I thought, wow, they're telling us there's a way to be exempt. And I look back on that and I thought, you know, that was the proverbial, you know, grain of sand and the oyster that kind of gnawed at me for three decades or more. (laughs) And then, 
<laughs> yeah. And then, you know, I was trading in the stock market and learning a little bit about the Federal Reserve through that and the, you know, the interest rate announcements. And I was also studying other um, legal and commercial things and getting involved in groups that were studying historical and founding father things. And just little by little, I started getting little snippets of insights about the law and that there's actually a legal dictionary. And, um, you know, I didn't really hunt this down. It just kind of showed up, you know, through that meandering path and my own curiosity and just little hints of something deeper was going on beneath, you know, the surface of what we, you know, what I was seeing just caused me to poke around and and see what was there. And that's really what led me like breadcrumbs. Uh, I did find some information online. I found other people that were studying similar subjects. I mean, I didn't invent this remedy. I discovered it. And then, but what I did do is I turned it into a system. And I've had a 100% success rate with all of my clients. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the origin. It's amazing. Curiosity. Yeah. yeah it's, it's amazing what, what a path will lead you down. Like you said, you know, it started with that grain of sand. And then the next thing you know, uh, here you are 30 years later, teaching people your four-step system to be liberated from income tax. Now, you talked about that you have certain ideal candidates for this, that it's not necessarily appropriate for everyone, but there are certain people who can definitely benefit from what you have to offer. Do you mind talking about your ideal candidate for this uh, great American tax remedy? Sure, sure. Yeah, for people that are paying at least eight to $10,000 annually to the IRS, this would be a great way to help you keep really all of that money. <laughs> Uh, for your own economy and your own goals. And, and again, you'd be lowering the national debt by hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars by doing this. Um, I think that that's the thing that most impressed me, forgive me for cutting in, but that was the thing that most impressed me yeah. about this was that it really is a win, win, win. It's a win for the federal government that we understand how this is working and how we can lower our national debt. It's a win for the person who has more money that is um, available to you to either save, invest, or uh, be able to spend on goods or services. And then it's a win for the economy as a whole. Uh, the only person yeah. who the only individual who doesn't win in this is basically the federal reserve. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. There's a fantastic book called the creature from Jekyll Island. It's an expose on the federal reserve, how it was started, you know, the, the banking empires that came together to figure out how can they get a foothold in America? It's very well researched very well documented. I recommend it. It gives great insight into what the Federal Reserve really is. The book title, uh, The Creature, refers to the Federal Reserve, and then Jekyll Island is actually a small private island off the coast of Georgia where these banking families met over a period of years leading up to 1913. So for those, those uh, curious people, um, that that's a great read. 
Okay, so um, here you yeah. are, this this very adept uh, scholar, this person who likes to scratch away at the surface of things to find out what's underneath. So your ideal candidate is somebody that uh, pays consistently eight to ten thousand dollars in taxes. Um, you mentioned that it is also helpful. You also have answers for people who are entrepreneurs. Is that right? Yes, this strategy that I'm talking about it's ideal for. For those people that are employed, especially if they have a, you know, relatively high salary as an employee, uh, it can work for business owners as well. Uh, I do have another uh, remedy for business owners. Uh, we can talk about that in more detail at another time. Sure. Uh, but sure. this 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 covers this remedy can be exercised and does cover any source of income whether it's from a job, rental income, capital gains, business income, uh, cryptocurrency uh, returns, any, really any form of income this can be applied to. And what I find fascinating is that you have found a way where this is all extremely legal. And have you had any, uh, have you had the IRS or any other governmental agency call you to task on what you've done? Uh, I have, I did receive a frivolous filing notice from the IRS, which is a notice uh, that occasionally taxpayer will get if they believe that your filing was uh, on the face of it, they considered frivolous. That happened about two and a half years ago. I responded to those letters and uh, it, it just it has melted away, and I think that's a reflection of the IRS uh, staff themselves. Many of them are unaware of this, just like the general public is totally unaware that such a remedy exists. And on the face of it, it can appear to be frivolous, uh, but with just a little correspondence, we ironed that out. The higher levels at the IRS know that this is viable. They have never added it to their frivolous filings memorandum that they update periodically. And I met with an attorney not too long ago who actually used to work at the IRS. And he says, oh, yes, the lawful money redemption, that is a, a legal strategy. And not that I didn't know that, but it was it's always nice to hear you know, someone with that status uh, say so. Right. Yeah, to have confirmation from somebody who sure. <laughs> is not intimately right. involved in your financial affairs, right? <laughs> exactly. Right. right. Yeah. I get that. Definitely. So um, of all your clients, then none of them have fallen under uh, any kind of negativity from the IRS on this? That's correct. Okay. I just like to ask those sorts of questions because that's the first thing that pops up when you have something that like what you're talking about, that is this radical. I mean, talk about flying in the yeah. face of common knowledge. I mean, what are, what are some of the things that you had to get over yourself um, when you were digging through this? I, I, I'm sure there was a, a lot of fear factor because of the conditioning we've all had that there are only two things that are certain in life, right? death. None of us right. are ever going to get out of here alive, right? No, there, there's a hundred percent guarantee you will die, right? hundred percent guarantee right. that you will not get out of life alive. The second guarantee is taxes, right? 
death and taxes. Right. So talk to us a little bit about the fear factor you had to get over when you first kind of figured this out. Yeah. So that is very real for people. Um, And yeah, I've had my own fears and once in a while I go to the mailbox and I get an envelope from IRS and I will still feel my heartbeat just jump a little bit, you know, faster for a moment. Right. right. <laughs> it's like it's not 100% gone, but, you know, I look at it and then I smile and I, you know, re- resume my composure really quickly now. <laughs> so it's different for everybody. For me, it was a gradual, you know, I mean, the education is so important. That is what begins to melt away the fear, you know, when you start understanding what's really going on and you can verify, you know, things, not just because I said it or somebody else said it or whatever. Um, People often have a lot of fear about getting audited. That's one of the common questions. Well, geez, you know, what if I get audited? Will you help me? And uh, to that specifically, I've never been audited. People that do this strategy do not get audited. People that are targets for audit are people that claim excessive deductions. And the deductions that are claimed with this system are, if anything, much less, not much more. Brilliant. That's wonderful. Um, to, that's wonderful to know. Yeah. Thank you so much, dear. Yeah. We're about out of time. So um, one of the things I wanted to let you folks know is that Kelly Alexander has a free guide, eliminate your income tax simply and legally. Go to her website, mytaxremedy.com, and she can help you with that. She will be glad to have the download there, the free guide. I highly recommend that to learn more about her four steps to liberation from income tax, that you go to her website, get on a strategy call with her, and have her help you. Kelly, thank you so much for being on the Janine Boland Show today. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much, Janine. And we will bring her back uh, by popular demand probably around April or May (laughs) when we all get done paying those taxes and think, hey, maybe we need to get that great American tax remedy back up here. So we wish you a great day today from the Janine Boland Show. Thank you for listening to the Janine Boland Show. Be sure to subscribe to our show notes by going to the JanineBolinShow.com where you'll find additional resources as well as the opportunity to sign up to receive our program in your email each week. Be sure to visit our sponsor at the8gates.com. 8